Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. This is kind of a part two to the episode on the suicidal mind, on the book, The Suicidal Mind by Edwin Schneidman. And I say kind of, it definitely is, because I wanted to delve a little bit more into what psych ache is and then what our psychological needs are. I want to get more specific on that and then tying my own story into it. So let's hop right into it. Um, so Edwin Snydman says that psych ache is the hurt, anguish, or ache that takes hold in the mind. It is intrinsically psychological. The pain of excessively felt shame guilt, fear, anxiety, loneliness, angst, dread of growing old, or of dying badly. What his research has taught him is that only a small minority of cases of excessive psychological pain result in suicide, but every case of suicide stems from excessive psychic. So I'm going to stop there because there's one thing Oh, there's two things that I, I want to point out from this. One is he talks about psychic being the uh, the pain of excessive uh, dread of growing old. And I think that's something that's not really discussed and we're not really made aware of, the dread of growing old. Um, there was a, uh, I think she was Miss Universe, or uh, a pa- some pageant winner, Miss America, uh, Chelsea Christ, African-American, she, I believe, was 30 years old and ended her life. And when I read her uh, note, her suicide note, she had in there this dread of growing old. And that's something that you know I typically would not have thought of for someone in, who had just reached 30. You know, she was a lawyer. She was accomplished. She had traveled the world. Like I said, she was like Miss America or Miss Universe or one of those uh, pageant winners uh, and gorgeous, athletic. You know, she lettered in track, uh, straight A, not straight A, but, you know, she she was very intelligent. She did very well academically in school. Obviously, she she uh, has her law degree. And she talked about the fear of growing old. Like now that she's 30, her her life was going to be a life of diminishing returns. It's all downhill from there. And that's not what she said specifically, but that's what she was alluding to. And I realized I've kind of had that when I was younger, when I was nine. I told my mom when I turned 40, I was going to end my life. And at that time, I thought 40 was old. I didn't want to be old. I didn't want to be decrepit. I didn't want to be hooked up to an IV bag or walking with a cane. That's how I saw that, that age group, being decrepit, being dependent, um, and, and just kind of stiff and sitting there watching TV, eating you know, God knows what and and drinking, just kind of like this slow, miserable death. And 
I didn't want that for myself. I wanted to be as buoyant and as active and as energetic and as lively as possible until the end. And then when I could no longer be that, then I was like, well, I don't want to be here anymore. So I definitely had a dread of getting old from a young age. And I, I, I recognize that for women, that probably happens at a much younger age than for men. You know, for men, it's kind of, you know, the running joke is, you know, men become cooler, sexier as we get older, become like the, the silver fox, you know, uh, with the peppered hair and all of that. And even a guy in his 80s, you know, we look at, um, or 90s, could still, you know, find himself a, a young 20-year-old woman who's willing to be with him. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's love, but the point is it's, it's still possible. We don't typically see the reverse where, you know, uh, a 90-year-old woman is, is, you know, with a 20-year-old guy. And so as the guy gets older, there's this kind of perception of, wow, you know, uh, life gets better. And for, and for women, it's like, wow, I got to, like, do the best with my looks as much as is possible and we you know unfortunately we do live in a society and in a world where a woman's looks are are their currency that they have some value my mom is 71 and is still trying to find all the beauty youth hacks that are out there she's constantly putting all types of milk of magnesia egg yolk mayonnaise on her face avocado guac whatever she could possibly uh bacon soda scrubbing her skin with bacon soda anything to remain as youthful uh looking as possible and so there's there's a definite fear of getting old and not and i and what's what's interesting is is not a dread of being old it's getting old it's it's almost like Oh no, I'm going to get into that place where people I'm going to be dependent on other people or not be of value or service to society. And I think that's a part of it, right? Where because we have such a strong need for human connection and belongingness that we kind of view being old as someone who is isolated in their apartment watching 60 minutes versus someone who is still working, still active, still creating, still engaging and being playful and going to concerts and art festivals and and painting and making love, right? Going for a swim, laughing and and all these things, attending sporting events. You know, it's like how are you perceiving the elderly and a lot of it comes from what we've witnessed or seen in our childhood you know was grandma and grandpa were they healthy and vibrant or were they kind of you know stiff and still and sick and needing to be taken care of and a and a kind of a uh, you, you saw them as a, a a burden to the family so you know what did you see and if that's what you saw and that's what you perceived then i would suggest you seek out Seek out examples of people who are in their 80s and 90s and still vibrant. In Chicago, 
for Mother's Day, they did a thing where all of the mothers who were centenarians, they celebrated them all at this place downtown. And there was a woman there who was 111, and she was dressed sharp, sharp, and she was cracking jokes and hanging out. And so it was this room full of vibrant, you know, I mean, they weren't doing cartwheels or anything. They were, they were you know, 100 or older. But the fact that they were able to get up, get dressed, go downtown and and eat and, you know, do all these things on their own accord, that's something to be celebrated. And so, and, and, and also the fact that they were still loved, they were still supported and people still cared about them and acknowledged them and wanted them to be around and wanted to hear their stories. All those things are are so important. So we have to seek out, when we think about role models, it's not just about role models in terms of who's successful financially and making billions of dollars in celebrities. It's also about role models to help us counteract our fears. You know, if you fear, if you have a dread of growing old, then seek out people who are older than you and thriving. That's what, when I'm on a cruise ship, that's exactly what I do. I love to talk to older couples and see, hey, you know, what was your biggest challenge? How did you guys get through this? Um, you know, what's the key to your relationships, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So seek out people who can kind of help uh, assuage those fears or dissipate the intensity of those fears. Um, and, and, you know, and going back to the, like, dying badly, to to talk to people who have, to talk to doctors, you know, I think Atul Gawande, Gawande, I forget his name. He wrote a book on a death. I think it's called Being Mortal. So to read that book and really understand of like how to, you know, enter that last quarter of your life, you know, after 65 or once you hit retirement, a lot of people don't do well in retirement and and they they and I and I truly believe it's because they went into it without a plan. They went into it without a strategy and they went into it also not realizing that they it re, maybe required a planning way before retirement. It's almost like financially we plan for retirement from, you know, our 20s, but we don't really plan for retirement uh, socially. We don't have a social plan in place. How are we going to engage with our community, stay in contact with our friends, uh, with our family? We need to also have a, a, a social retirement plan, not just a financial retirement plan, right? So uh, whatever your fear is, if you can't figure out what your options are, your alternatives are, or how to face it or how to address it, that's when you, you, need, you need to work with somebody. That's something you could talk to a therapist about, a coach, a friend. You can YouTube the question, read books. But we have to be active in, our, in the campaign against uh, managing our psychics. We, we, can't, we can't be passive about this. This, this requires us to lay some foundation, lay the groundwork, be intentional, and show up for ourselves. 
Um, the other thing that I, I wanted to talk about was, I, and I said psychic, right? Because I wanted to really be clear on, or not psychic, but our psychological needs. And so he says our uh, our psychological needs are, we have these biological needs, first of all, which are like oxygen, food, water, and uh, a livable temperature. But um, our psychological needs, these include the intangibles like uh, the needs to achieve, affiliate, to dominate, to avoid harm, to be autonomous, to be loved and secure and succored. Uh, uh, I'll just say loved. Um, to understand what is going on among others. When an individual, he says, when an individual commits suicide, that person is trying to blot out psychological pain that stems from thwarted psychological needs vital to that person. So I want to highlight that word vital. Vital to that person, meaning that your need to achieve may not be as strong or, or as vital to, as my need to achieve, right? Your need to avoid harm might, be, might not be as vital as my need to avoid harm, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very important that we understand what psychological need is vital to our needs because these don't all weigh equally. Right? Is it the need to achieve, affiliate, avoid harm, to be autonomous, to be loved, to be under to understand what's going on? Like, what what are your vital um, psychological needs? I know for myself, I have a strong need to understand what is going on, which is why I read a lot of books, listen to a bunch of podcasts, and why I like to share this podcast because I'm always aware that um, I, as soon as I think I understand something, there's always more that I can learn and understand. And that's, that's also why I journal, so I can have a deeper understanding of self and my patterns and what's going on around me. I also have a strong need for affiliation. You know, that's why I like to, to work collaborative, collaboratively, uh, and be in relationships and uh, be on teams um, to have partnerships and sponsorships, to affiliate. This is why I like to, you know, uh, go out places and, and meet new people and and travel. I have a strong need for affiliation, and also I have a strong need for autonomy, which is why, you know, I went into business for myself. That's why I love stand up comedy and and uh, and coaching and counseling and um, and personal training and all the different things that I do. They kind of give me this autonomy that I so badly uh, need. Um, and, and, some, and these needs can change over time, right? Uh, sometimes your need to avoid harm might increase as we get older. So understanding what your vital uh, psychological needs are. Um, you know, he has a, a, a page in here on page 20 where, and I'll link this book in the show notes uh, if you guys want to uh, check it out. So, yeah, he talks about the need uh, for abasement, which is to submit passively, the need for achievement. And you see this with, like, students, right? They, they, if they really get upset um, or perturbed 
by getting a B on your test or a C instead of that A that you were expecting. Um, the need for affiliation is the need to uh, adhere to a friend group, right, to, uh, or any type of group. That some people have a need for aggression, right? And an aggression is like to, to overcome opposition forcefully, to fight, attack. I've met people like that. Like they need to be in a fight. And it doesn't have to, it doesn't mean like a street fight, but it could be wrestling. It could be a political fight. There are so many different ways that we can fight. It can be, uh, you know, being of service where you're fighting for the rights of others. So when we think about aggression, it usually has a negative connotation, but, um, but there are ways that we can channel that aggression uh, positively. And then he lists all, all these other different needs. So, you know, check out the book, The Suicidal Mind. Get really clear on what your needs are. And, and if you want to look at the, the list of needs that he has listed here, it's called the Murray, the Murray Need Form, M-U-R-R-A-Y, M-U-R-R-A-Y, Murray Need Form. And then, you know, discover what your psychological needs are. So that way, when you have those psych aches, when you feel untethered, when you feel like you're in unbearable pain, you can look to see which one of my psychological needs were thwarted. And that'll help you understand how to build the life in the world around you. So you're not just surviving, you are thriving. I'm going to end the episode there because I, I, that's, I really want you to take the time to really write down and take note of what your psychological needs are. And if I can paste post uh, the Murray need form in the show notes, I will. I, I'm just thinking about that as I'm, as I'm saying it now, um, if I can find it online. But I, I think it's uh, uh, adopted from Henry A. Explore, Explorations and Personality. Okay. Because um, I really want you to take the time to do that work. We cannot thrive if we're not willing to do the work. We have to do the work. We have to become more aware, take time to be reflective on what our needs are, so that we can have a deeper understanding as to what moments are untethering us and, and leading to that psychological pain. And then that way we can better plan, pre prepare, and protect. Thank you for listening to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling the 988 or any of the other uh, any of the other phone numbers that are listed in the show notes, you can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.